1: Well, welcome back. Wednesday, December 14th, 2022. We're not going to be able to say 2022 much longer. Let me give you the phone number. It's 602 Bill has the day off. He'll be back tomorrow. We got our associate producer, David Dull, uh flying semi-solo today with, uh, with a little uh, supervisory... Uh, what would you call it uh, adult supervision no <laughs> supervision from our good friend jeremy but uh, david welcome uh, welcome to the uh, to the to the command and control center and uh, for doing the boards and everything else today thank you for doing that as i say bill will be back uh tomorrow i, I i'm going to do my monologue in the um, in the second hour top of the second hour uh, instead of right now because i was just as i was driving in I uh, I I listened to obviously what 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 what's going on on this channel on 960 and and I heard a promo for me. I think Bill and David chopped these things up from things I say. I have nothing really to do with what they put on there although I I agree with most of them. I think that would be a good thing that I agree with my own quotes and there's one I guess running now or at least I heard coming in to the studio about the importance of language and that that's actually something that the Republican uh, incoming Republican uh, leadership in the House of Representatives next month can do something about. Um, we are we are suffused with with the abuse, misuse, and redefinition of language here, and uh, and one of the two quotes I usually use. One is Ralph Waldo Emerson: um, "The corruption of man follows the corruption of language." Uh, to be multicultural about it, you can quote Confucius: "When uh, when words lose their meaning, men lose their liberty." You think about this past year. We had a Supreme Court justice nominee who was uh, accelerated to the Supreme Court, and Kentaji Brown Jackson, who refused to define what a woman was. And earlier this week, as we uh, as we reported, the Cambridge Dictionary has now changed the definition. Of woman, uh, you have uh, the non-binary thing running riot. Someone who was it? Who was it? Maybe Wilfred Riley. <laughs> You've seen this uh, this uh, person, uh, Sam uh, Sam is it Sam Brinkman, who was who was the, in charge of nuclear waste disposal. Uh, a transgendered person, non-binary person, I guess is the better way to put it in the terminology of our day, the parlance of our times. He was, uh, or this person, I should say, without getting in trouble. This person was heralded as the first non-binary politically appointed official in the U.S. government, and I think it was Wolford Riley who said, uh, "Will this person now be described as the first non-binary person fired and arrested from a political appointment in this government?" Doubtful. Doubtful. But the reason I brought all that up as I was listening coming in is I noticed an op-ed in the Wall Street uh, Journal this morning. I had forgotten. I had said this on radio. There is an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal uh, this morning by one Eileen O'Connor, an attorney in D.C. Bring gender back to the house is what uh, she writes. Culture influences language and language influences culture. Inattention to this reciprocal relationship damages both. She writes, the new Republican House majority can begin its session by striking a blow for good language. At the opening of every Congress, the House adopts the rules by which it will operate during the session. On January 4th, 2021, under the leadership of Speaker Nancy Pelosi, it adopted House Resolution 8, which mandates what it calls gender inclusive language. The resolution is shot through with reality denying and grammatically incorrect word choice word choices strike father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, husband, wife, father-in-law, or mother-in-law, insert parent, child, sibling, spouse, or parent-in-law, strike himself or herself, and insert themself. That was actually in House Resolution 8, beginning of last year. Elsewhere, the people's elected representatives are cast as pieces of furniture. Also in House Resolution 8 from last year, Quote, strike chairman and insert chair. This isn't a new phenomenon, but it's no less obnoxious for having been in use for a while. It would have been so easy to explain, as my mother, who learned English as a foreign language, did to me. This woman writes that a policeman, fireman or mailman didn't need to be a man, merely a human being. Instead, as in 1984, the novel, the entire English language is being scrubbed. The 2021 House rules established a new position. Do you know that? Office of the Whistleblower Ombuds. You ever heard the phrase ombuds? You heard it, David? That's right. Man had to be expunged from ombudsman. It's not ombudsman, according to the House rules. It's ombuds. Yeah. 117th Congress didn't adopt gender-inclusive language. It adopted genderless, neutered language. Humanity consists of girls and boys and men and women, however, and that really hasn't changed in our civilization. We have words that describe their relationship to each other. The linguistic ground that is, through inattention or cowardice, been surrendered to radicals must be retaken. When adopting the rules for the 118th Congress next month, House Republicans must restore language acknowledging the existence of males and females. Genderless, langu- genderless language isn't inclusive, it's dehumanizing, and it corrodes our culture. Good for Ms. O'Connor, good for the Wall Street Journal for publishing that. You sometimes wonder, if it weren't for about three institutions, you know, would a, would a common sense, never mind conservative, would a common sense message ever penetrate or be promulgated into our cultural slipstream? What are those institutions? I suppose the Wall Street Journal editorial page, talk radio and social media. And social media is really a 50-50 proposition for the most part uh, because maybe not even that. Facebook, you know, for all – it's worth reminding for all Elon Elon Musk is doing with Twitter, you can imagine that Facebook probably did worse than Twitter – in banning and shadow banning but there is no one at facebook willing to do anything about it or reveal or self-examine it and of course there are other platforms as well so it's not even it's not even all of social media frankly it's not the whole of the wall street journal editorial page either it's probably about in fairness Seventy-five percent of the Wall Street Journal editorial pages is conservative. Most of it is common sense. Almost all of it is common sense. Seventy-five percent is conservative. They have Democrats who write for it or at least self-described liberals who write for it on regular occasions as columnists and as contributors. And then, of course, talk radio. I wouldn't be able to give you the percentage of how much of talk radio is conservative, but it's probably – Somewhere north of eighty percent and maybe south of ninety percent somewhere in there between eighty and ninety percent conservative you think about without those three institutions, if there would ever be a common sense or conservative message that would be promulgated into the into the into the culture there used to be much more it 's interesting that it 's become a narrow and narrower lane for us to be able to communicate to the um to the non-writing or the non-professionally writing public or speaking, non-professionally speaking or non-professionally writing public. It's gotten narrower and narrower. Uh, Once upon a time, the New York Times, maybe I should bring this up with Tevi. Tevi Troy's going to be with us a little later. Once upon a time, the New York Times was much more friendly to uh, conservative writers, contributors and writers. Um, That's just gone. Remember when Tom Cotton... Senator Tom Cotton dared to write an op-ed for the New York Times that they accepted on putting down riots, violent riots in this country. He wrote an op-ed on the need to put down violent riots in this country, and it led to the resignation of the editors at the New York Times who published that piece. It's incredible when a sitting United States senator can't even, in the nation's largest newspaper, argue Argue. (laughs) That's an interesting word to use. Argue for the putting down, the disruption, the cessation of violent riots in America. That's how bad the newspapers have become. Uh, And you can see it all across national newspapers, with the exception still of the Wall Street Journal. That's worth thinking about, too. I got a lot more coming up. Don't go away. We'll be right back. 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you are concerned about volatility in the stock market, our friends at Y-Refi have an investment in a portfolio for you. It's got a high fixed rate of return, and it's not tied to the stock market. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like, with no surprises. You can turn your income on and off, compound it, whatever you choose. No loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. It's an investment in a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a fixed interest rate up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right, up to 10 and a quarter percent. You can check them out, due diligence approved firm. You can check them out at investyrefy.com. That's invest, the letter y, then refy.com. Or call them at eight 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 YREFY thirty four. That's eight 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 Y R E F Y thirty four. Um, there's another piece. Actually, it's a pretty good day for the Wall Street Journal opinion page. Another really interesting piece with an irony to it. We'll see if we can pick up on the irony here. Speaking of uh, what Elon Musk was doing with um, Twitter, is social media censorship a crime? It's now become clear beyond peradventure from the releases by, uh, by I guess, three alternative journalists, uh, Matt Taibbi, uh, uh, Michael Schellenberger, and Barry Weiss, that uh, social media, at Twitter particularly, we know it happened at Facebook, uh, we just don't have anyone at Facebook to deliver the goods as of now, but is social? we know what happened at Twitter, and Elon Musk has been uh, generous in, in revealing it. What did he say? He bought a... He didn't buy a social media network. He bought a crime scene, I think was a quote of his last week. Philip Hamburger, a professor of law over at um, Columbia University, writes that amid growing revelations about government involvement in social media censorship, it is no longer enough to talk simply about tech censorship. The problem should be understood as government government tech censorship or gov tech censorship. The Biden White House's threatened tech companies and federal agencies have pressed them to censor disfavored opinions and users, so it's time to ask about accountability. Will there be legal consequences for government officials, for the companies, or for their personnel who cooperate in the GovTech censorship of dissent on COVID 19, election irregularities, or other matters? Cooperation between government officials and private parties to suppress speech could be considered a conspiracy, a criminal conspiracy, to violate civil rights. The current administration won't entertain such a theory, but a future one might. Now, pause on the irony here. You understand the irony? These these GovTech censors censored conservatives under the theory that they were, you know— Engaging as white supremacists, in part. I mean, the COVID stuff was perhaps a little bit different, but but um, but they, you know, yeah, yeah. When you look at uh, Jennifer Say and others, they all they were doing was speaking on COVID, and they got called white supremacists too. In any event, uh, on the political side, uh, the, the the label of white supremacists being thrown around by people who might be considered criminal conspirers in violation of civil rights. Think of that irony. Section 241 of Title 18 of the U.S. Code provides, quote, if two or more persons conspire to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any person in the free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege secured to him by the Constitution or laws of the United States, or because of his having so exercised the same, they shall be fined under this Title or imprisoned not more than 10 years or both. You know what that statute is called? The post-Civil War statute responded to the depredations of the Ku Klux Klan and similar private organizations It came out of what was known as the Ku Klux Klan Act. Then as now, government officers sometimes relied on private allies to accomplish what they couldn't, sometimes violently, sometimes with more subtlety. Whether for government officers or cooperating private parties, Section 241 makes conspiracy to violate civil rights a crime. Section 241 was long applied cautiously, for instance, to protect against involuntary certitude and abuse of detained persons, But now it is being applied more expansively. Last year, a federal grand jury indicted Douglas Mackey under Section 241 for allegedly interfering with the right to vote by coordinating with four unindicted co-conspirators to distribute memes, claiming that voters could cast ballots for Hillary Clinton via text message or hashtag. Because the First Amendment doesn't bar private parties from independently suppressing speech, Section 241 would apply to text censorship if the government officers acting as part of a conspiracy, did violate the Constitution. Doctrine on Section 241 requires this underlying constitutional violation to be clear, but clarity isn't elusive. The type of suppression most clearly barred by the First Amendment was the 17th century English censorship imposed partly through cooperative private entities, universities, the Printer's Trade Guild. Government remains bound by the First Amendment, even when it works through private cutouts." Okay, this is the principle that the government cannot seek from the private sphere what it cannot do on its own. There would be no purpose to a Bill of Rights if government could evade it by using private entities to do its dirty work. The Supreme Court has put this clearly time and again. As far back as 1926, quote, it is inconceivable that guarantees embedded in the Constitution of the United States may thus be manipulated out of existence. First Amendment's text confirms the unconstitutionally unconstitutionally of such unconstitutionality of such workarounds. Any prohibition of the free exercise of religion violates the, the amendment. In contrast, a mere abridging. A freedom of speech is unconstitutional. The government thus violates the latter merely by abridging, which is to say reducing it. Boy, this would be this would be a heck of an ironic thing if the DOJ could go after these censors based on civil rights law because the censors were acting in their perverted view, their perverted notions of what civil rights should be all about. This gets back to the Issue I was speaking about in the previous segment as well. It's not time for just a great relearning of civil rights or a great relearning of the, you know, language. It's time for a great relearning of everything, everything, and um, this would be certainly one of them. It's long past time for this administ- administration to find some pushback. On its coercion of private entities to do what it constitutionally knows it cannot on its own and of its own, of accord do this comes to speech as much as it comes to religion as much as it comes to covid mandates and restrictions. All right. A lot more coming right up. I'm Seth Liebsen, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. John Dombrowski, our good friend. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. Also a radio host in his own right. You can hear him every Saturday morning here at 7 a.m. It's his show, The Word on wealth john how are you doing today, good. sir?
2: <laughs> doing well, thank
1: good. you. good <laughs> good, John. There are a couple things today. I wanted to ask you about something the Fed did, but before I did that, kind of a local story that was mm-hmm. interesting. you and I were flat were, were, were flag flagging earlier. Phoenix renters earned fifty seven percent of the income needed to afford a starter home uh, and it's high mortgage rates and home prices are keeping home ownership out of reach of many. First-time buyers' medium household income among Phoenix renters was forty-three thousand eight hundred and sixty-six, but the income needed to cover a mortgage was seventy-six plus thousand dollars. Yeah. Kind of interesting, yeah.
2: Yeah, and that's based off of the uh, median price for a starter home, A right, right. little over three hundred thousand. Right. Uh, what is interesting about this is if you look back a year, you know, a year ago, interest rates were in the three percent range. Well, today, a thirty-year fixed mortgage is about Six point four percent. Yeah. So it's more than double. Okay. So this is really the reason why uh, people are having a challenge now qualifying for uh, for a home, uh, and and this is putting pressure now on the rental market. Yep. And uh, we're seeing increasing uh, rent, uh, and then we're also seeing the uh, qualifications to rent something is uh, becoming uh, harder and harder as well. So your income matters. Uh, your expense matters. Uh, i just throw a quick, uh, you know, looking at this more on a national scale. Yeah. If you go to Manhattan, an average apartment right now, uh, you know, is four, over $4,000 a month mm-hmm. to rent a basic apartment in New York City. And,
1: and by basic, we mean very bare bones. Very basic, Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah.
2: Uh, now, of course, it's not that high in Arizona. Uh, New York City is probably the highest in the nation. But uh, it is not just a local uh, issue. It is a national yeah. issue. This is uh, something that m- people, no matter where they live, of course, the standard of living, you know, it's incomes is probably the average income in New York City is much yeah, higher of than course. it is here. Uh, but it's still a challenge for people. Uh, and and qualifying, as I said, this is even a bigger issue. yeah, not only qualifying to purchase a home, but qualifying just to rent something right now is becoming more and more difficult for people.
1: And is this going to have a relationship to the other headline today? Fed raises interest rates half a point to highest level in fifteen years. Yes, yeah, it, it, that's it what will I have
2: definitely an effect on the home mortgage interest rates. Uh, which did pull back slightly, uh, you know, month over month uh, from 6.42% down to 6.41% on average 30-year fixed mortgage for a conforming loan balance. Uh, But now with this next increase, uh, we may see interest rates go up again. And, And I would caution people on those home. Equity lines of credit right now. Yeah, uh, those are adjustable type of rate loans as well, and those will uh, go up each time when we see these these hikes uh, that the Fed is doing right now as well. So double check those balances that you have on your home equity lines of credit and the current interest rate that you
1: have versus what you thought you had, you know, from a year ago. Well, one of one of the things that I think uh, has has you in. Right on, on this is in one of the stories i was reading on these interest rates is not only might they go up again they're not coming down according to one story with yeah. it says no reductions until 2024 right, right. that's what the fed had yeah. stated today so yeah. it
2: wasn't necessarily the half a percent rate increase that that kind of uh you know caught people off guard uh it, it was more the comments from the fed stating that we're going to continue on this yeah. path
1: yeah.
2: uh and we're not going to be uh you know, backing down on this for 2023. We're going to continue on this path yeah. uh, of raising rates, yeah. getting to that critical stage that they want to get to where they feel uh, that they've really uh, made an impact on inflation. Where all money just...
1: becomes more expensive for a while, right? Yes, yeah. so
2: it's going to probably be more expensive for another year. Now, here's the other issue, too. People have adjustable rate mortgages, yep. Seth, right yep. now. Yep. You might have had a, a, a two- or a three-one arm where it was a fixed uh, rate for three years, and now you're coming up on that fourth year. Your interest is possibly going to jump, say, from two-and-a-half or three up to seven or seven-and-a-half. Be prepared for this. This is coming, uh, and I just want people to be aware of it and uh, make sure that they're not caught off guard
1: good and if they have questions they can always talk
2: to you certainly too. reach out to us go to our website grandcanyonplanning.com you can get our information there securities and advisory services offered through creative one securities llc a member of finn recipient and investment advisor grand canyon planning associates llc and creative one securities llc are not affiliated thank you seth. you're the best john thank you, right. you
1: sir bye-bye i'm seth and i'll be right back that may not be the best bumper music coming in um But uh, anyway, we might relate it to something I'm going to talk with uh, Dr. Tevi Troy about later in the uh, third hour, uh, the time warp, uh, for those of you on uh, podcasts who don't hear the music. I always like to take a little bit of time uh, at at this time of year, the closing of a year, to think about what the main issues will be for the upcoming year. It's... um, it's usually the case in December that the news cycle is slow. That has not been the case this year, and it hasn't been the last couple, few years, um, because we've been put in such a, uh, such a frenzy by our politics and by our culture and by our major media. Frenetic frenzy. That's, that's the right word, I think, for it. And there's really no rest time, no respite, no downtime, no, uh, no peace. Even in a month where we talk of peace so very, very much, but interesting to think about what uh, what will be the new the big issues of the next the next year. I think, and maybe we'll hold my hold my feet to this fire. See if I get this right or wrong, guys. Um, something tells me this issue of chronic homelessness is going to be a much bigger issue this upcoming year than it has been. One of the reasons I think that is because while mostly conservatives and mostly Republicans have been talking about it for a long time, um, two mayors are starting in major cities from political precincts you wouldn't expect are starting to say things that make them a little bit sound like conservatives, Uh, the mayor of New York and the mayor of L.A. I have higher hopes for New York than L.A., The mayor of New York, Eric Adams, he's talking now about wanting to pick up people who are suffering from mental illness or drug addiction, even if against their will. The phrase of yore was involuntary commitment, and that was something the liberal left and the libertarian right were strongly against for many, 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 many years and it's an interesting thing when you see a Democrat mayor of New York breaking that um, breaking that glass and pulling the lever and sounding the alarm, to use the metaphor of fire, because some of the streets are on fire. And the other reason I have higher hopes for New York than L.A. is the problem is a little less bad in New York City. It's worse in Los Angeles. And then there's kind of a third thing which is hard to kind of, hard to put my finger on difference between New York and Los Angeles. We often speak of New York as Gotham as unruly, unmoored un, un unanchored, but anyone who's really spent any time there versus time in Los Angeles, have you spent much time in in both places, either of you, David or Jeremy? If you spend much time in or even a little time in both places, Los Angeles and New York City, the simple truth of the matter is that L.A. is much more unhinged and much more unmoored and much more anchored, much less anchored. Did I do that right? New York is much more anchored and much much less unhinged than Los Angeles. New York still has, in other words, some control valves that Los Angeles just doesn't seem to have. I don't know if it comes down to religion per se, but I think it has a large part to do with it. There is a much stronger religious ethos in larger parts of New York City than there are in Los Angeles. Of course, of course, of course there are Protestant churches and Catholic churches and Orthodox synagogues in Los Angeles, but they are much stronger much stronger throughout New York City. And I think that has an influence that is just not not as effusive of the culture of Los Angeles. Anyway, um it makes it makes one ask a then-subsequent obvious question, which is, well, Phoenix isn't really known for either of those things. Of course, we have our Protestant and Catholic and Orthodox churches and synagogues here, too. Of course we do. Nothing like the level of Los Angeles or New York. What has kept us moored? What has kept us less bad? Uh, certainly population, uh, although that's changing. But also politics has Politics has kept us less bad. We have had councilmen like Sal DeCiccio and hopefully being replaced by councilmen like Sam Stone. We have had uh, a, a, you know, a long run of, of, of conservative elected representatives and conservative and Republican governors and senators. And it's going to be interesting to see what that will look like going forward as that changes a bit. Yeah, we'll have increased our Republican representation in D.C. Congress, but the governorship is going to change. And the city council, uh, even if, God please, Sam Stone does win his race in March, is still going to be he'll he'll be, you know, he'll be replacing Salado It'll still be a major uh, a majority Democrat or majority liberal city council. We don't do a bipartisanship theoretically here. It'll be interesting to see how much longer Phoenix can obtain and maintain. Of course, we have a great district attorney. We saved that position in that race in Rachel Mitchell, and that made a difference. Bad district attorneys have ruined places like L.A. and New York. That made a big difference here, too. But with the top pressure missing at the governor's office, it's going to be an interesting experiment. It's going to be an interesting experiment to see how much longer Phoenix can maintain. But maintain isn't going to be enough. Maintaining isn't going to be enough. We have a growing chronic homelessness problem. Some people have rolled their sleeves up to be uh, inherent and sincere in wanting to do something about it. Sam is is one of them. Um, I'm part of a group with my friends uh, Mark and Steve and others who are, Jeff, who are part of that. Adiba, but I have to tell you, um, you look at the governor's homeless plan, the incoming governor's, Katie Hobbs's, and um, it's a lot more of just doing the same. Wouldn't it be interesting if it's this mayor from New York who changes the trajectory of the problem that we are increasingly all having to deal with? Anyway, a few thoughts. I think that's going to be a big issue for next year. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth and Show. Yeah, so I think maybe this chronic homeless issue will be a uh, will be an issue, and and I don't know if this is more predictive or more wishful thinking on my part, more hope um, than um, than ability. But I think maybe, 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 maybe next year we'll also see a uh, hopefully a, a a a greater dismissal and questioning and distrust of. Leadership and governorship and rulership by expert, sometimes self-appointed, sometimes uh, megalomaniacal, sometimes just used for the purposes of a political point. Fauci will be gone. That'll be to everyone's benefit. I think we're going to have to worry about these experts telling parents that they know less about their kids than the experts do. I hope we resist that. I hope we can be done with this notion of progressivism or what I'm beginning to call regressivism, where we rely so much on an elite. I used a phrase with Bethany Mandel yesterday, you know, just because someone has a lot of degrees or has a bigger title doesn't mean that they're any smarter you can have learned ignoramuses I think when you look at the balance of what was done with COVID and oh my gosh they're trying to bring the masks back again have you seen this they're trying to bring masks back again in the major cities um, you you, yeah you can have you can have people with a lot of degrees that overlook the big story for the smaller one and uh, miss the big thing. The big thing in this society should be the care and protection of our vulnerable, the care and protection of our youth falls in that category. And maybe, maybe, maybe 2023 will usher in that when it comes to our chronic homelessness, our drug addicts, mentally ill, and hopefully our children too. A lot more coming up. A lot. Don't go away. We'll be right back